The uh, so I, I brought it up partly as a joke, but uh, I kind of start thinking about it more is the the poker thing in the chat where it's uh if you play with confidence in poker, it allows you to bluff, and then you could potentially win more hands um than you would if you never bluffed. So it is a good idea to be confident, and at the heart of being confident in poker, I think is like believing that you are better than the other people at the table uh, enables you to have that confidence, and that itself is kind of a lie. Um, and so it you have if you're sitting out at a table, you have every reason to believe that everyone else is about as good as you, or like if maybe even better. Who knows if they if they sit down at poker tables regularly, so you don't have much information about them. It's kind of unreasonable to think you are the best person, and yet it's very strategically rational to think you are the best person at the table. Um, and so it's lying to yourself in service of yourself. And uh, it seems like that's kind of a good thing. But why? Especially we talk, especially since Akeep talked about how important truth was earlier. Like that, that totally flies in the face of that idea. I don't know. I don't know. That's a totally different kind of truth, I think, than what Akeem was talking about. Um, I think is my my gut reaction to that. So okay. the, with this poker table situation, like, yeah, it's true that you like if I don't know how good any, let's say we've got five people at a table, in, including me. Um, I don't know how good any of the other four people are at poker. I mean, I've never met them before. Um, so there's roughly like if if there's an average line, it's like 50 50 that I'm on either side of that average line. Um, so since both of those things are like equally likely to be true, if I but if I operate as though one of them is true, then the odds of it being true become greater. So it like 100% like a fake it till you make it would work here because like being more confident does make you better at poker, like as a fact. Um, I mean, I guess I don't have any actual knowledge on that, but if we assume that that's true, then it is, it is totally rational. If it then it's totally rational to <laughs> act as though you are better, and then it will be true. It's not even that. It's like in in performance performance psychology. Like there's this really famous interview about this guy. He's like half Native American dude. America. He won like he got a gold medal in the Olympics a couple years ago, or like 20, 30 years ago. And there's a video of him talking about how he trained up for for the 10K and the Olympics, and he won it. And Two years before he won it in the Olympics, he was nowhere near like the qualifying time. And they were interviewing him. They're like, How did you do that in two years? How did you get that fast? And he was like, he was like, you know, like I was like three minutes away or two minutes away from like the standard to qualify for the trials. And I thought to myself, don't think about it as two minutes. It's just like five seconds each lap. He's like, I can run five seconds faster for four hundred meters. And he was like, But then five seconds each lap, and then you add another five, another five. And he just kept and he kind of like lied, he didn't lie, but he kind of like split it into digestible pieces. Reframe. And then he like would write in his notebook every day. He would write like, you belong in this field. Like you belong with the best. You deserve to run with the best. And like he, he wrote that every day and he ended up crushing it and winning. But a lot of it is because he like, he changed his psychology. And I think there's a difference between lying to yourself and like having a like a, a um, heightened self, sense of self-esteem, like which becomes like an inflated ego versus having aspirational views, like being like, I can do this. And like, it's the self-talk it's positive self-talk. And like, it's huge in performance psychology. Like before a race, like I'll always be like, you got it. You belong here. Like this is going to be a good race. 
like maybe it's not going to be a good race. Maybe it's raining and it's like 30 degrees, but I'm still going to be like, fine, it's going to be a good race. Like this is a good obstacle. Like this will help me. Like this is a good challenge. Like this is fun. And so you're like, I don't think you're lying to yourself. You're just reframing your reality so that you can more effectively like act in the world. This is a side note. Um, <laughs> I, I also do that sort of a thing, I guess, where I do like this, uh, that positive internal self-talk. But I think even more than that, my internal self-talk is just negative about everyone else around me. Like, I'm like, these fucking chumps, <laughs> these losers, you can screw these guys. These guys are bad at this. Like, whatever this competition is, I'm just putting them down more so than I am raising myself. <laughs> but I, which I guess by contrast is the same thing. But like... <laughs> And there's a there's a negative way to do it too. You can just be like, I gave you pieces. Like, come on, get it together. You know, fun thing that works though. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people it works. <laughs> what do you think, Logan? Yeah, yeah. So uh, part of this is at the heart of it is um, it made me think a lot about War and Peace because um, the whole premise of that novel is like most of the things you think you can control, you can't control. And in fact, you can control almost nothing, and winning is basically just luck. Um, but despite of that, or in spite of that, there's still, like, Tolstoy talks about, like, Kutuzov is, like, base one of, like, three potential, like, heroes in the in the story. And Kutuzov is, like, the Russian commander, and he's like, yeah, I, I don't really control the outcome of anything, but I've got confidence, and people have, when they come up and ask me for orders or whatnot, I'll say something and whatever I say doesn't matter, but they'll walk back with greater confidence. And that's all that a general is for, is to instill false confidence in his armies. And then he says, uh, in a smaller portion, same thing with, like, doctors, particularly at the time, where, like, you know, they needed to treat something. They have no idea what medicine's really like, but people walk away from doctors with confidence, um, and that's what they're really for. And, uh, however, on the flip side of that, there's like Napoleon, who's way too confident and probably shouldn't have invaded Mos or Russia and gone all the way to Moscow. And that's like that is like the heart of the the book is like you should have confidence in order to instill better things. However, ultimately everything is decided by luck, and you can have confidence and maybe that'll increase your odds at some things, but luck is really why you succeed. Um, and so ultimately, confidence is silly we're not silly it's like yeah it's like at the broadest scale it really is kind of a lie because like you can there's no amount of skill that can overcome sufficient bad luck yeah i don't know so it's it's a it's a weird tension and then and i was i was thinking about this and then i got a uh in my captain's career course they gave us a small stack of books to read and one of them was leadership and self-deception was the title of it like wow this is the perfect thing i've been looking for uh, it turns out it had nothing to do with that at all. It was like, you shouldn't deceive yourself. And I was like, damn it. But that's kind of what I'm looking for is like how to appropriately self-deceive in order to be like the best kind of leader. Who's not like the Napoleon is like, let's go take Moscow in the winter. But he's like the Kutuzov. And he's like, I don't really control things, but everybody will be more confident. I don't think he's deceiving any. I don't, I don't think Kutuzov is like, has any sort of like self-delusions. I don't think he's actually deceiving himself. No, he's really not. It's, uh, it, yeah. it's almost... It's almost weird why people walk away from him with confidence. Is the strange? It's because part. he can. It's it, it, it's because he's he's articulate. Like he's articulate, and and then he's he's like he articulates a version of reality that he understands that that'll make them feel comfortable. 
I mean, have you read Brothers Karamazov? Mm-hmm. I'm reading it right now. And, and do you know the elder mm-hmm. in the beginning? Oh, the, the monker was about the, Yeah. 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 Uh, Zasimov. Zasimov, yeah. yeah. And everyone walks away from him feeling like so much better about themselves um, because he's able to articulate what they're feeling for them and then tell them how to resolve it. I don't think there's any like deception in the way he does it either. I don't know if why I brought that up, but your your description of Kutuzov like making soldiers like believe that they're okay, like it reminded me of this other character who's also uses his like ability to articulate other people's thoughts in order to like create sense a sense of ease. Uh, so this is like something that kind of comes up in my field of uh, food service very regularly. Actually, yeah. is that like um, like your mindset? coming into a shift will absolutely impact the actual reality of that shift in that like if you come in expecting like you're going to get your ass kicked and it's just going to be a miserable fucking time um guess what bud you're going to get your ass kicked and it's going to be a miserable fucking time um but like you can have the exact same amount of sales though and you can if you're going and like all right we're just going to get ready early and it's going to be hard, but like, whatever, you know, it's not, we, we can handle it. Da, 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 da. Like, that's also true. Um, both, you can have the exact same number of orders and sales and 100% the way you approach it will have a real impact on both your perception of the shift. And then I guess, because that's contagious to a certain extent, the rest of your staff and coworkers on the shift as well. Lewin, I think you're right when you say that there is like a sufficient, there is like a level of bad luck that is like very difficult or nearly impossible to overcome. But like, I think it's not, it it's never healthy to live as if like, as if that isn't as if you're always at its mercy, right? It's, it's I think it's more healthy to live with an attitude, at, like with with the kind of attitude that that, and where you approach the world with a healthy sense of like self control discipline and like a uh, confidence in your ability to like shape your reality effectively pragmatically not useful i think yeah it's like if if we can imagine two scenarios right one of which is like you are able to handle it um and the other which is you are not regardless of your well, how you feel about it um if you feel good about it and you are able to handle it well great like you were right and you felt good about it. If you feel bad about it and you are able to handle it okay well turned out you were wrong fine whereas like if you aren't able to handle it and you feel good about it, okay, you're still wanting to handle it fine, but like you're going to have less of a bad time than if you go into it thinking like, this is going to be miserable, I can't handle it, and then you're correct. It just like amplifies the situation whichever way it goes. I don't I don't know how you'd be able to tell that like, oh, this is a sufficient amount of bad luck for me to not have any control over it, so like it won't matter. Like, you see what I'm saying, Logan? Like, there's no way for me to tell well, what is nice a sufficient about, amount of bad luck. The nice thing about the, the bad luck thing is like, anytime something bad happens, like, oh, I was kind of unlucky. Good thing that won't happen again. And it, it makes it makes failures the, the easiest thing in the world to brush off. Well, no, um, and it, it 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 does. Depending on the attitude with which you approach the reaction, like depending on how you react. So, like you can be like like just like you said, you can be like, "Oh, that was bad luck," or you can be like, "Oh my god, that was bad luck. My life sucks. I'm so screwed forever. Like this is just how it is," and like you accept it. That's true, I suppose. Like, don't you think the reaction to the the situation is more important than like the actual outcome? For good or bad luck. Like if you if you achieve a lot of success and then all of a sudden you start thinking, I'm the shit and everyone sucks, like you're probably not gonna stay very successful for long. 
Yeah. Because you're not realizing that like a lot of why I'm successful is because like of circumstances around me. Like yeah, that's that's also the nice thing about luck is that it puts that in perspective. You're like, well, I'm successful and maybe it's got something to do with skill, but it's probably got a lot to do with luck. So I'm going to be super grateful for it and not get too right. big ahead. Right. Um, but it also makes successes easy to deal with. And it seems kind of fundamentally true. But I guess you're right that uh, even that there's still room to have like a more positive or more negative reaction, even if you have this view that uh, luck is the ultimate driving force behind success or failure. Yeah, I, I, Logan, I don't think I don't actually think it is. I think it's your attitude is the ultimate driving success. I think there are varying circumstances in which like you meet people who have experienced like extreme levels of hardship and still made it through. Um, and it, and like, it was, I think anyone who's ever died in a car crash would beg to differ that there actually is a sufficient amount of bad luck that you cannot overcome. So up to cool that population. This, um, I, this is ever was a, a view I had in high school. Um, and I think I probably more or less still feel the same way, but I think like in order to be successful, you need like at least two of three categories, which I would call like luck, talent, and hard work. Um, like and a sufficient deficiency in any one of the three can probably tank you. Um, and maybe you can be strong enough in any one of the three to like basically get by. But I think I think two or th two of the three, and you'll probably like be at least reasonably successful. Um, if you are if you know, if you've got at least two of the three of those covered. Yeah, but talent is just a subcategory of luck, so that's just luck twice. I, yeah, I guess, but like, <laughs> I'm sure there's some people who would also argue that talent is a subcategory of hard work, depending on the talent we're talking about. That's what I was going to say. Okay. So, so it, it's not, it's not lying. It's reframing your perspective on reality so that the thing that you want to exist exists. That seems a lot like lying, but it's okay because it serves you. It feels very like uh, there's not only does it not only does like your finger guide to the galaxy almost like it feels like a like a little joke thing you could say be like yeah by believing it it's true and then it wasn't unreasonable to believe it but you had to be you had to unreasonably believe it and then all of a sudden it's not unreasonable um, like it just feels like a like a fun little like not like a tongue twister but I don't know like a little 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 game uh, yeah. It's not just serving. It's it's not just self-serving either. I think it, it serves others. Like when you apply aspirational thinking to other people, to the people that rely on you, to your friends, then you automatically allow them to want to be better than what they are, in a lot of ways, or to like aspire towards something better. So like a lot of a lot of things, like like it when people say like it took when they give like an acceptance speech, something they say like thank you for believing in me. I think that's what they're saying. It's like somebody had to believe in them. Right. And it's not them lying. It's them just like actually saying like, hey, I think you can do this. And like pushing them towards a towards a future vision of themselves. And then they achieve that vision. And I think that's like a beautiful way of, of existing. I don't think it's a lie. Um, I do think like an aspect of like humility when it comes to failure or success, luck, good luck or bad luck is required in order to like live a stable life. Like you have to be kind of humble in failure and humble in success. Like when you fail, you can't you can't imagine that you're special for failing. Like that, like you're especially unlucky. And when you succeed, you can't imagine that you're especially lucky or you're especially good. You know. 
And I think that's the that's the key. I read this book. A friend gave it to me. It's full of platitudes. I didn't think it was like that amazing of a book or that it revealed anything like insane. But it's it's called Ego is the Enemy. Has anyone ever read it? Ryan Hall, dude. I'm familiar with the author, but I don't think I read that right. one. Right. It's, it's a tiny little book. Like, but I did enjoy the message, like overall. Like, and he basically said, like, if you allow, like, luck, good luck or bad luck, success or failure, to determine your sense of self worth, like, you will always be existing in a state of like fervor and like kind of neuroticism. Because like you rely on other things to establish like your sense of self. I don't know. I don't know if this is going too far, like away from like meandering too far away from the topic. But I think I think self deception is still bad. The biggest self deception is like deceiving. It's like trying to get other people to determine your value, and then start and then you begin to deceive yourself, like and be like, okay, like everyone says I'm great, I must be really great. Like that's probably a lie. So when I was the aide, I would get yelled at every single day. Hopefully General Baker never hears this podcast, but he would just fire me every day. And sometimes he would be like, you're, you're worthless. Like you're failing, you're unorganized. You know, I took it really hard in the beginning. Like when a one star is, is screaming down at you and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. And some days fewer than the bad days, he'd be like, hey, really good job. I'd be like, oh my God, I did a really good job. By like by the end of the first quarter of that job, I realized not to take anything that he said seriously. If he told me I was a failure, I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm like average. And if he told me I was great, I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm average. Like sometimes I achieve I'm sometimes I'm like a little better than average. And sometimes I, I dip a little bit below average, but I'm not like these extremes. And before that job, I think I was more apt to allow on other people to like tell me that I was great. And then I would believe that lie to myself and be like, man, great, aren't I? Um, I don't think it's a lie that you're great. I don't think that's the trick. I think the, the the framework here is that... Is that I, well, I don't. I think that it's like everybody's great also. Right. I was going to say... That's I not true. That, like the range is actually that huge. I think like everybody's just a guy. Like, I mean, with like with some like random exceptions... There's a girl near Very specific things. <laughs> I'm just a guy. Uh, just a white male, right? Just like you. Uh, yep. Well, like... Like, okay, like, like Kobe Bryant was not just a guy when it comes to basketball, I guess. Um, but like every other part of his life, he's just a guy. Like, he's just Kobe Bryant. He's just doing, picking his daughter up from school or whatever and, and, you know, putting dinner on the table. Uh, like George Washington was just a guy. Like, he was just a guy who had a advantageous position in the army and the military social structure of the time. Um, like, I don't, I don't know. Marie Curie, maybe not just a guy. Maybe she like had something special in specifically to chemistry or whatever, and physics, both. Um, but for the rest, every other role, like she's just a guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> like everyone's just a, they're just a guy. Like we we like deify these like figures of like great success and like maybe great people... success. Maybe sorry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now something really specific about them where they're not just a guy. But like everyone ever in every other realm, you're just a guy. You don't get over. Don't get too big in your britches here. You're just a guy. I'm a god among men. <laughs> <laughs> so then you shouldn't believe that you're the best player at a poker table. No, because you're everybody really also, also just a guy. We're all just guys here. So the odds of my being the guy who's a little bit better, 
pretty okay. Pretty okay odds. <laughs> right, Michael, I feel like if you're sitting down at the world champion of poker, there's a good chance that everyone else at the table is more than the guy when it comes to poker. So are you still justified in I mean, I got there self-inflating? I don't know how all you all got there in this situation. Here. We're all we're all the guy. <laughs> if we're all at the same table, yeah, we all got there. I have no reason to believe they're any better than I am. All right, you end up in a pickup basketball game with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, that's totally different. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably do not think I'm just I, like he's just a guy there. But like, if I'm playing chess with Kobe Bryant, um, yeah, Kobe Bryant's just a guy. I can beat Kobe Bryant at chess. <laughs> Okay. I, so wait, I'm I, I'm a little bit. Uh, I feel lost. like it kind of. I'm um, also very lost. Yeah, yeah. We went into such a different direction that I feel I'm I'm kind of losing the point. Okay, so so we you all do think that it is wrong to to lie to yourself or to delude yourself in this way? No. I also kind of feel like there's no real way to lie to yourself, and that that like phrase is just incorrect. And oh, I completely disagree. I think I disagree. Okay. I think you're the easiest person to fool. Really? Yes. Hi, Richard Feynman. Yeah. I think I think self deceit is the most common kind of deceit. Mm. I think it's really hard to be honest with yourself sometimes. See, I feel like it's really hard to hide from yourself. Like, no, people spend their lives doing it. My parents. I'm kidding. I guess I feel that like on some level you just always know right like there's no real sort of but you can kind of like hide from it for a while you can layer into like inception like um like what I, I remember before I became a vegetarian like I wanted to bring it up with the philosophy club first because I was like I was like I'm pretty sure when I reason this all the way out, I'm gonna end up having to decide to be a vegetarian, and and I was like I was like so but I kind of like put it off for a long time like I literally intentionally like it was in the back of my head I was like here's a topic for philosophy club should you be a vegetarian and I just didn't bring it up for the longest time <laughs> because I was so sure like I was pretty sure that when I reasoned all the way through I could live in like some realm of like self deceit un until I had worked through all the steps of the problem and so it wasn't until so i put off bringing it up so that i could continue to live in that realm of self-deceit to a certain extent but and I eventually brought it up and and got there but like but, but when it was a part of me that knew you know it was a part of me that knew but i could ignore it it was a small enough part that i could i could tuck it away yeah it's the, it's the ignoring that is the self-deceit well i guess what i'm saying is that that it uh my point was really that that's just like a different thing because it's not it's not lying. It's just like avoiding, which I think is different. Mm. And then, and then I think this whole like line of reasoning about like potentially inflating your abilities is just like fully not lying. Yeah, I agree that I don't think it's lying either. I do think it's just sort of reframing the possibilities in your own head as to what, or yeah, reframing reality to a certain extent in your own head, not in a way that like it could. I could just as easily sit down at that poker table and and imagine myself the worst player, and then I would also likely make that or would make that more likely to be true by believing it. And mm -hmm. neither of those things is a lie; they're both possible. I don't I don't have any data, so I can just I have to like operate on a best guess. And which guess I'm operating on um, 
is, you know, if they're all equal, who, who gives a shit? Pick whichever one's better for you. So now here's a third way is that you could say that by virtue of sitting at this table, I have a chance. And the most important thing is luck. So therefore, I've got at least as good a chance as everybody else because I'm at least as lucky as everybody else. And then there's no deceit whatsoever. You're uh, you're just kind of looking the issue square in the face. Yeah, but you haven't helped your or hurt your circumstance there. Well, I I think it's weird because it seems like y'all um, have labeled like uh, thinking yourself not up to a given task as self deceit. But thinking of your like underestimating your own values, like is everybody's willing to agree that that's all the table just a bad thing to do. But overestimating not because own... it's self deceit though; it's bad to do pragmatically. Okay, so so we do say that self deceit is just impossible. I don't think so. Can you give an example, Akeem? Of self deceit. I an ideally one that you can. Maybe verify because I hear that we we like are venturing into this thing where we're just like, well, somebody could just think this, and it's like, yeah, that could happen, but does it? You know what I mean? Because there's something you know you you lied to yourself about for a long time, and then and then one day you were like, I've been lying to myself. I never knew that this was. There are. I don't know if I want to share all of those things, but there are <laughs> things. I know one hundred percent. There are there are things. What's that? That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Like there, are, there are things specifically, but no, that's okay. Uh, even if you were, that's fine. Like I love Sherry. Yeah, we know. We know how uh, how much you hate your parents now. <laughs> no, I, I really love my parents. I know, but that's one thing my dad always said: like never lie. Don't like don't lie to yourself. And he would always say it like when I was a kid. He'd be like, before you lie to me, like you have to lie to yourself first. Like before you deceive someone else, like you have to kind of deceive yourself a little bit. Mm. Uh, I think the danger with with self deception or with like is that like eventually, if you do it enough, it it becomes like part of who you are, and then you're unable to separate like reality from like this version of yourself that you created, which is not true. Why is it not true? Um, because it isn't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. It's, uh, like, I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation where you're not able to fully, where you're sort of like repressing the truth or like you're repressing yourself in ways that are unhealthy or negative? So, this isn't me. Um, this is a weird little tangent, but so they're the, the Beastie Boys, the music group, uh, their, their first, not, not their first album, but an early album. They, the same way they had, you know, Fight for Age Party and like No Sleep Till Brooklyn. They've talked about this since. Um, they were like, we were like, you know, basically like regular dudes. or they, they were like in the punk scene and all this kind of stuff. And then they they released that album. And then part of their like their tour, they're like, let's like really lean into like the, the douchey, like frat bro lifestyle, like all that kind of So like they did it as a bit. And then they're like, but we did it as a bit to the point where like, we just became douches. Like we were just, we just were that after a while. Um, so like they did a bit and then the bit became them. And then eventually they realized like, this isn't actually like who I want to be. And so they like course corrected, I guess. Um, but I don't know that that means that they weren't genuinely just douchebags for a while. Like they were, they, they, 
were doing a bit of being douchebags and they're like, yeah, and we just got caught up in it. And then we were kind of douchebags. And then we realized we were being douchebags and decided to stop being douchebags. But I don't know that they were lying to themselves at any point. They just got caught up in what was going to be a bit. And then it just became their reality for a while. So the self-deception in that scenario is them acting like douchebags when at first they didn't believe themselves to be that? If there is self-deception, it's just that they were pretending it was a bit longer than it actually was. And then they were they had to face the fact like, oh, this isn't actually a bit. This is just who I am. Oh, okay. If and that's if there's self-deception there. I don't know. That uh this is even dumber. That kind of reminds me of sometimes, you know, people will be like, ah, oh, I hate this song, throw it on, but like be annoying. Like I don't think you can really sarcastically listen to a song for very long before you kind of like it in a way. And then you're lying to yourself about not liking that song. Oh, um, so sorry. Go ahead with this. Oh, yeah. With with, I, I think Logan, you might know this example. Like, have you ever had a leader who is like utterly self, just like they're like they're utter, utter, utterly deluded about like their role and like how well they're liked. They think they're super well liked. But they're so unaware. They're, they have such a lack of self awareness that they don't realize that like nobody likes them. Like nobody likes their leadership style. It's not effective. Like nobody would actually follow them in a situation of stress. But they're like they think they're the shit. And you're like, oh my gosh, this person is either like just this person is so self. They just lacks self awareness. They've deceived themselves. They've like told themselves that like I'm great. And by deceiving themselves, they've started ignoring the external like signifiers that would actually validate that so they don't actually care that anyone's listening the thing with and the guys so the thing in the army and maybe probably in any workplace when your boss is talking to you like you're kind of held verbally hostage like you have to listen um good leaders remember that and so when they're talking to you they understand that like i have this person verbally hostage so i'm still gonna like really take careful attention and care to make sure that they're actually listening and that we're communicating there's like a two-way communication bad ones will just talk because what they don't realize is like these people aren't listening to me because they want to they're listening to me most of the time because they have to so they stop they, they forget that and so they stop paying attention to whether people are actually paying attention to them they just talk at everyone and i watched this happen a lot as 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 a you know, as a person in the military, I would watch this happen. I would watch leaders talk and be like, does he not realize that nobody's listening? Um, but they would keep talking because they have a hostage audience. And it was insane to me. Um, uh, anyway. And it made you want to take vengeance on all the, take it out on podcast listeners all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's, it's the best leaders are the ones that have like had immense amounts of power over me. Like they're my bosses, 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 boss. And they walk up to me and they grab my shoulder and go, hey, Keith. And they look me there and they go, what's up, man? How, how's it going? And it's like, oh my gosh, you're like totally taken off guard. And you're like, whoa, this person cares about me out of the 10,000 people that they're in charge of. Like they're paying attention to me right now. It's like very empowering. But um, I think, I think anyway, that's a tangent. What I'm saying is I think that's a good example of self-deception. There are people who think that they're great, like leaders, and they're great, like, like they just have a heightened sense of self that is not like real, and they've deceived themselves. I don't know if that's like, 
a lack of self-awareness. That's so like, like using self self-awareness for self-deception or like a lack thereof. I think so. I mean, that seems about as close as that. If that isn't self-deception, then it seems like I don't know. It seems like Nothing self-awareness is. just is self or lack of self-awareness just is the same thing as self-deception. Then perhaps yes. Um, I think I think awareness is actually gaining awareness is like is like you're 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 like you're understanding that like you have the ability to deceive yourself. It's like, like that's what happens when you gain awareness. And, and and I'm not saying that I have it. I think I deceive myself in a lot of ways. And like it's a constant battle to like not lie to yourself. Hmm. Like it's a constant battle, I think for me personally, to like not to like try to like be truthful to myself and to live according to that. <laughs> Wow, that's interesting. Like, I feel like if I were to think, if I ask myself, what are things I'm not facing or I'm not like dealing with, things come up immediately. And it's like, I can't lie. Like, I just know, like, you should probably deal with this. I can, I can avoid dealing with it maybe, or I can like deal with it in ways that I don't think are actually correct. I think in the act of avoiding dealing with something to compensate it, I think what you do is you live in a way that's like you live the lie. Because then you have to like live in a way that where you're pretending like that thing doesn't exist, which is, which is your, which is like that's self deception. Mm. It's like you're living as if it doesn't exist. In part of your head, you know, it does, but you're like, I'm going to pretend like it's not real. I'm going to pretend like it's not important, even though it is important. So like I'm going to temporarily I can lie that. Myself. That's interesting because. My first reaction is, oh, well, these things are not important. Maybe they are important and that's the lie. Maybe they're not. I think I think the fact that you avoid them it means that they are probably important, that they're just too big or they're too pressing or they're too emotional or they're too daunting to deal with. Not you specifically, Katie. Maybe you specifically, but not you specifically. <laughs> I think that's generally, or like, I think that's a big cause. Like, that's a big reason why people avoid dealing with issues with their demons i am my demons <laughs> what's so funny about Flip the table on the but what's so funny about the language you're using to describe this is that like the first thing that comes up for me is that there's this like little um like breakfast cake bar thing that we have on the planes in first class that's not vegan and and it's going to get thrown away whether somebody eats it or not that's just how it is what are you? I eat it all the time, and that's like my biggest thing. Where I'm like, I, I'm not vegan. I have been eating this cake all the time. Truly, I don't think it's important. So the like gravity of what you're describing—it's <laughs> so funny. Um, but I think I'm like, oh, maybe I am lying to myself. I'm not vegan. I've been eating this breakfast cake that's gone in the trash. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think the little lies like that to myself often end up leading to bigger ones for me. I don't know. Yeah, you guys. But like when I tell my, when I tell myself I'm not going to do something or when I tell myself I am going to do something, um, when I don't end up doing it and then I pretend like, oh, it's okay. What happens is I start deteriorating my sense of integrity and my sense of like worth as a person who speaks truth into the world and then enacts it. And so like for me, it's like, 
I made a commitment and I said I would do it and then I broke it. And so then I'm like, okay, I've set a precedent. So now it's even okay even like commitments you make to yourself. You hold yes, that to even for commitments, even for commitments that I make to myself. Mm-hmm. So then, especially if I break, if now, if I break commitments because like my perspective changes, that's different. But if I break commitments for a lack of discipline or for a lack of self-control, that's when I start to, that's where my self sense of self starts to break down. And that's where I'm like, oh no, it's happening. Like I need to get back on track. Like I need to like start acting in a way where I'm actually like behaving in ways which I myself find honorable or true or right that align with like whatever value that I set out to like follow. Wow. That's heavy. So I'm going to hell for eating this cake. No, I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't, I don't really think hell. <laughs> in 10 years, I'm going to be like, guys, I killed someone. It's just really gone downhill. It's gone as damn. It got hurt. <laughs> this is the first step towards Katie committing cannibalism. Well, they say um, so the um, have you, have any of y'all seen Asteroid City yet? Yeah, no, I want there because Katie asking Heath if she's going to hell remind me a lot. There's a moment where uh, this is very real on, doesn't spoil anything. The guys they tell his children that like their mother died or something. He's like, <clears throat> he's like, yeah, she's uh, your mother's in in heaven now. He's like, well, I don't believe in God, but you're Episcopalian, so for you, she's in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I, just... I like that a lot. Oh yeah. So, yeah, maybe for you. I'm kidding. Keep. Was... I'm curious. Do you feel like this intense need to follow through on your own commitments? Do you feel like that limits the commitments that you'll make to yourself? No. You feel like you just have like a, a an ability to follow through on everything all the time. Not everything all the time, but like, uh, like. I don't know. It hasn't it hasn't like harmed me in any way. Like I don't know. You'd have to give me an example. Like I. Well, I guess I think what's what I'm just immediately jumping to is like I think if I had that level of of the need for like perfect commitment, I probably wouldn't be able to be vegan because it's like so difficult to just maintain that 100 percent in every aspect of your life or the rest of your life. And so yeah. I'm curious if you feel that there's like that limits you like if it's not perfect it's not worth doing it it depends right so like for example i've stopped drinking coffee completely right and <laughs> look at living space <laughs> and, and uh it's helped me with my sleep but like sometimes in the beginning i really had urges to and sometimes like i fell off a couple times i've done it before for months at a time but this recent time i stopped i fell off a couple times and i like broke and i had a cup of coffee and I always felt worse afterwards um, for doing it. And it was not because the coffee made me feel worse. The coffee made me feel better in the moment, actually. What made me feel worse was like, oh, like, it, it made me feel worse because it's like, oh, I'm like, now I'm, especially with things that you become reliant on, like caffeine, which is psychoactive. Like, I was like, oh, I'm just like, I'm continuing to like be reliant on this thing that like I, I need, that like my body biologically craves, like, I need to break away from that. Now I don't crave it at all. So I think that's when I feel really bad. When it's especially if it's like biologically tied, where I'm like, oh, like I, 
because I'm very physical. I'm like a very physical person. So like I have to run every day. I don't have to run every day, but like I really like to run every day and it verges on have to. Um, and and it, it just feels good. And when I don't do it, I know I'll feel worse. So like part of it is also like how it makes me feel. I don't know. Like what uh, what other commitments do you think that would would it would prevent me from making? And oftentimes I don't start, I start the commitment as kind of a loose experiment. I'll be like, let's see if I can do blank. You know, unless the commitment is to another person. Like if I tell someone I'm going to show up at some time, like I will show up at that time. Yeah. Uh, well, the loose commitment thing is interesting. That's the kind of thing that I tend to do also is like I'll do like a little month long. Until you try it out. But I don't know. Perfect. This perfect commitment thing is very, is really impressing me. I, I, I can't imagine being so strict and yeah, very disciplined person. Keep disciplined. It's really, 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 really fun. And I'm telling you, it, it usually starts off as like, it starts off as an experiment most of the time. Unless it's like, unless again, unless it's a commitment to another person, then it's like, no, that's just like, you're going to do it. For example, if I set up a date with a girl that I really decide that I don't actually want to go on the date anymore, like I'll still go. I will always still go, like even if I'm exhausted. Um, yeah, because I said I would. Like I'm like, not going to cancel. What's that? I, I I feel like that's worse. Yeah, no, like <laughs> yeah. What's that? Who are you? Who's benefiting from that? You don't want to go on the date anymore. Like why? You're just wasting everybody's time. One, one, I just want to hang out with. I don't know. Well, one, because like, I think it's wrong to, because now you're playing with somebody else's time, especially if it's like the day before. It's usually like when you don't want to go is like right before it. So I'm like, I'm not going to cancel on someone right before this thing happens, unless like I'm actually sick, which is like, I'm never actually sick. I've never, you know, um, so, so that's one thing. Like it, it, it erodes my sense of like, I said I was going to do it, so I'm going to follow through. So it erodes my sense of follow through. I want to be somebody like there's a level of deceit to show up to a date you don't want to be on. Like, I feel like there's like an implied we both. I think, it, I think what's interesting is that most of the time, like 99% of the time, like I actually end up enjoying myself mm-hmm. and I actually like learn something new about myself. And it is the forcing of myself to follow through with the obligation. Like I still benefit from that. And the other person still benefits from like the interaction in some regard, just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Like, I think oftentimes when you don't want to do something, like, to me, oftentimes when I don't want to do something, it, this is really general, but you can't apply this generally. But, like, sometimes to me, it's a signifier, like, maybe I should step into that fire because, like, I'm afraid and, like, I shouldn't be afraid of this thing. Or, like, I shouldn't be hesitant about this. Like, I should take the plunge or I should go for the thing or I should do the thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable and thereby grow. Yeah, so, like, I've had this issue um, with, uh, like, making plans with friends before things like that. Like if we make like a buddy of mine just turned 30 recently and he planned this 30 flirty and driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, they planned this whole thing up in Charlotte, which is like an hour and a half drive from Columbia. Uh, they're going to go to like, like a whitewater rafting center. They're going to go to all day. And then there was this like arcade bar we were going to go to at night. Um, I ended up having to work during the day, like a 10 hour shift. I was like, but Hey man, I'll still make it up. And so I drove up, I got off at like a 10 hour shift and then drove an hour and a half to Charlotte so I could hang out for like three hours and then, and then crash in a hotel room overnight to drive back to work at seven in the morning the next day, um, which was like miserable. And so going into this, I was like, I have every excuse. I could cancel here. 
Um, I was like, but you know, it's my buddy's birthday. You know, he only turns, you know, 30 once and has a birthday once a year. Plus I'm about to move, you know, should, I should go make the most of this time here. And, and, and so it was miserable. Um, but, but I did have a good time while I was there. Um, it's just all the surrounding events were miserable. <laughs> uh, oh. But I was very glad that I went though. Yeah. So one thing I've learned to do, and I've had friends like this that want to go out and like get like wasted and go out to town. One thing I've really like learned to do in the last like three years is like, just say no from the beginning. Like they'll ask me like a week out, like, dude, we're going to go out Friday night. I'm like, dude, no. Or I'll like set like really strong boundaries. Like, dude, I'll get dinner with you at seven and I'm leaving before nine. And then I will. Because I've never not regretted staying in. Or wait, I've never regretted I've never regretted not going out. Like and getting drunk with friends. I've never been like, oh no, I missed out on that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like what's that? I I I just like Michael said, I feel like almost the exact opposite. I've never regretted just like actually going out with friends when I right. when I wasn't sure. No, so like one hundred percent, I like enjoy spending time with friends, but I'll draw my boundary because I, because I'm I know myself enough to know that like I like waking up early and I like go on a run and I like yeah I like having a day and I like feeling like awake and I like feeling good throughout the day and I know that I'm really sensitive to like alcohol and like what's gonna happen is I'm gonna feel like shit in the morning and like my stomach's gonna hurt and my head's gonna hurt and I'm not gonna run till like two p.m. and it's gonna be hot the sun's gonna be out and it's gonna just be suffering and it's gonna be miserable. And like, I've done that enough times to know like, okay, like you don't like this. Yeah. It's not worth it. And so that's shown up for miserable hangover shifts at work, like so many times. And the shift is always so bad, but then it's always worth it though. (laughs) And so that's, and that's the thing. Like you do that, you make the decision based on what it's worth. And to me, it's not. And so to you, it is. And so like, you can't, you can do that. Um, But I'm telling you, there were times where I, I was like, I made the wrong decision. Why did I make the wrong decision? And I was like hitting myself in the head for it, you know? And that's why I don't make the wrong decision anymore. Oh. Anyway, I don't know how we got here. How did we get here? Oh, commitments to people. That's how. Yeah. Awareness. (laughs) Self-deception might exist. Akib would know. (laughs) (laughs) Akib would know or wouldn't know. Would would not know. No, I would know. I've let you. Let know. Don't worry. We'll bury the bodies before nine p.m. too. Just just a heads up. God, what I've really been learning from Philosophy Club lately is that what I want more than anything is like to be a fly on the wall in Akeem's like therapist's office. Assuming <laughs> on the bed. My therapist's office. Do you have one? No. Really? That no. never? No. Never. Interesting. Yeah, never. None of you boys? None of them? None of you? No. Um, Once from elementary school. Michael's shaking his head. Wow. I mean, I don't know what I would talk to him about. I'm pretty happy most of the time. I I think therapy could help anyone and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've never heard that. So sometimes I've tried to think, like, what would I talk to a therapist about? Um, But I don't know. I don't don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I do feel like I've become the therapist for some of my friends. And it's not good because I'm like, guys, I'm not a therapist. It's usually women. And I'm like, I'm not a therapist. But like, this is what I can tell you, kind of. Um, why'd, you, I just, why'd you have to specify that? What's that? <laughs> why'd you have to specify that? Well, because I think well, it's, it's usually women. It's usually women. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why I specified that. 
<laughs> I think I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know. Um, it's a pattern, I guess. But there, they uh, there's this sort of like, I think you learn a lot by listening to people talk about their problems, and asking them questions about their problems. Right. Um. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it'd be interesting to like have a therapist and like have someone do that to me and be like, yeah. wait, <laughs> like, like what's wrong with you? And or like, how are you feeling? And then he'd be like. This how I feel, and then them kind of like trying to dissect the dead frog that is my emotions. Uh, yeah, that's why I want to hear about. It. That's why I want to know. Well, next time I set a such scenario up, I'll make sure to send out a Zoom and like philosophy close to the <laughs> there. <laughs> that's funny. Right on. We have anything else? I'm good. Good meeting here, everybody. It's later. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.